Ah, welcome to the drumbeat of this completely unnecessary podcast. podcast. Fucking don't yell in my ear. <laughs> God, Tuesday, August 31st. Ear. You you yelled and a, a microphone, it goes to my ears. Well, uh, you know, I'm muted on this, so I think I'm much 21. quieter you're, than I am. You're not muted. You can't hear yourself. Good, your ears are gone from all your DJing experience. Besides, I'm beside yelling Ian Ferguson. <laughs> We're every every this. week now he's hurting my ears. <sighs> yeah. uh, I'm Pat Country on the show today. God, I'm cr- me cranky this week. Uh, we're talking about um, uh, I don't know the Mika Road Tour, the Wada slash Heritage Auctions aftermath that's been blowing up the past week. We got a scumbag seller. We have a scumbag seller of the week that's that's connected to all this. Oh, you blew it. You ruined it. This that's fine. All right. Um, and we got a Patreon poll topic and we have uh, other goodies going on ian how was your weekend like i care if you hurt my eardrum uh it was good it was fine uh i went and got korean fried chicken last night which is always delicious what makes a korean fry what type of spice are you uh so i think it's more the style of the fried chicken there are different like varieties you know my intermittent fasting right you're gonna yeah. make it hard for i me. haven't eaten breakfast either there's an og which is you know like normal fried chicken but it's the way they do it they call it original I, gangster chicken yeah i think it's double fried but i more than that i think it's the fact that the batter uses rice flour and cornstarch to make it extra crunchy and crispy. Ooh, so when ooh. you bite into it, there's lots <laughs> of the cracking and the crunching. You got like an extra extra layer of, of crunch. Yeah. Of fat just it's crunching into crunch. it. Crunch. It's so good. Um, it's crunch? Crunch. But yeah, that was pretty much it. That was kind of my weekend. I uh, What did I do? I went and had... Um, went and had oh, I went to Funky Fries and Burgers on, on Sunday. It's uh, one of those places in San Diego that serves you, like, overly large portions of food. And I just realized that my appetite is very slim these days. I can't eat a whole pizza burger. You had a pizza burger? I had a pizza burger. That was the thing you had when you were a kid. You're like, oh, pizza burger. Get some marinara sauce, put some uh, mozzarella on there. Everything at Funky Fries is kind of, like, aimed at the five-year-old eater inside you. Just like like mac and cheese? There's a mac and cheese burger. Oh, God. Yeah. I love a good mac and cheese burger. Where is this located? Is this close? Uh, it's it's relatively close. There's two locations, I think. There might just be one. I don't know where it is because I have no. Sense Are you going to invite me to one of these great eateries? Yeah, it was just for a pre. Yeah, it was a. Yeah, uh, it was yeah. it was it was pre-eating yeah. for an episode of extra napkins. Okay, there's. The, I, got, I need a ding every time you mention it every week. I got to go ding for extra napkins. You got to work that in. That's part of the contract. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> See, you podcast comes up plenty on extra napkins. Uh, okay, part of my life. I'm not. I'm, I'm t- part of my life. It's, it's not talking me talking about. about my life. Not, can I call it and plug it on, on while you're talking about just, talking about coleslaw? You plug, you, you plug your stuff on here. My stuff is is here. These stickers don't mean anything to me. Oh, Ian, they should though. They mean I, nothing I, I, to me. I, well, if you had room on your laptop, you would have had one on there. <laughs> There's no room anymore. <laughs> They're dead you, to me. You got to. Hey, we figured out the formula. There's, there was two thousand of these. This is the best thing I ever bought at the swap. What did you do over there? I don't weekend? know. I watched who, Tyron who Woodley. Who any of us do anymore? I watched Tyron Woodley fight Jake Paul. I got dr- dragged into that. Oh, that's not an upcoming thing? That's a that's an already happened Sunday. thing? Yeah. yeah. 
Well, I'm glad to um, know that this is happening so frequently now that they don't have to talk about every single fight online because I had no well, there's idea two brothers and now they're fighting every two months like on and off. But uh, Jake Paul's a much better uh, boxer than his older brother, the reasonable Paul brother uh, out of the two. And the uh, older brother is more reasonable. Yes. The younger brother is the better fighter. Yes, the, the older one is the one that did did the did the the suicide Japanese forest video, and he's calmed down a bit since then. Yeah, that's what I've gathered. Um, he's he's been responsible. Uh, you know. It's 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 an opposite uh, Samson thing. He's losing more of his hair and he's gaining more sense. Ah, uh, anyway, gotcha. Sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to take that shot at him. He's got a bad hairline. Anyway, um, but um, the fight was a decent fight. Uh, Jake Paul won on decision, uh, split decision. Um, I wanted obviously Tyron Woodley to win. Tyron Woodley is a 39 year old former uh, UFC champ. That's like two weight classes below um, Jake Paul. About. Um, but Woodley's been not in the game for a few years, and the last—he think he lost the last four or five fights in the UFC. So his fire is gone. I talked to you know an MMA friend, like yeah, so you get older, your fire is just gone, right? And you can see that in this fight because there was times where Woodley seemed timid. Now it's going to be a boxing analysis. He was timid. He wasn't firing off pu- punches. One round, he only he had less than ten punches in one round. One of the rounds, he was like, "You can't win rounds that way." Yeah. And so I gave the fight to Paul by decision. By there's only an eight round fight. And I, I think uh, Woodley, you can make the case, Woodley won the fourth round for sure. That's where he almost knocked out Paul, but didn't follow it up. That's where he see he was against the ropes. It could have been, it should have been called a knockdown, technically. He was holding up the ropes to stay up. He hit him with a straight right. He won the last round for sure, Woodley. And he won one of the other rounds. You can make a case for round, um, I think it was like maybe six or seven. But um, some people thought that Woodley won. I didn't. I didn't. When you look at the fight stats and the punches, and it's like, no, he didn't win it. Uh, maybe there's a couple more rounds he could have came back, but eight rounds is tough. He basically didn't throw money punch many punches the first three rounds. I think people so, just want to see Paul lose. I mean, yeah, which he, is understandable. He, he was in trouble. Say this about Paul: this is the first time he was in trouble fighting anyone. He was in trouble. Yeah. a few times he got rocked a few times. But Woodley's not an experienced boxer; doesn't know how to throw together combinations. Doesn't know how to he was doesn't know how to bob and weave to get inside. He's shorter, same same reach. They both have the same arm range. Uh, not, but Woodley's obviously in shape. But he's coming off of surgery as well. He finds these older guys coming off surgeries, you know. And haven't fought in a while, or Askren wasn't a fighter at all. He wasn't qualified to be in there in terms of striking. Woodley at least kind of was, but he's not a boxer. So what's next for good old Jake Paul? He's got to fight an actual boxer. The problem is when he fights an actual boxer, he's going to lose. If Woodley was a decent boxer, he would have finished him. Right. Um, that's the thing. But but Paul has talent. He's an asshole, but he has talent. I'm not going to take that away. And he showed hard. He came back. You know, he won that fifth round after he got almost killed in the fourth. So it is what it is. Chappelle was in the audience uh, cheering it on. So yeah, he was there. It, it was fun. Um, let's talk about this Mario graffiti real quick. Sure, hit me. NYPD sent a hel- helicopter after a graffiti artist who was uh, uh, doing Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> they blocked off streets and used dozens of officers. I want to see the art. This is according to Kotaku. New York Daily News reported police first arrived on the scene at 1 a.m. and originally couldn't find the suspect until an NYPD helicopter was shown. Uh, flood lights on the structure and saw him popping his head up through a hatch on the top of a 10-story tower. Oh, he did it on the top of a... He was doing a question block on the, on the front of a water tower. That's funny. That is. I want to see a picture. There's got to be a picture of that out there of someone doing that. that that's really funny to do that. Um, the artist refused to climb... Commands to climb down. The MIPD claims they became concerned for safety and utilized a drone and attempted to make contact with him. They said they've got a drone to talk to a graffiti artist. This feels like a fucking waste of community resources, to be perfectly honest with you. A helicopter, Drop the spray a drone, can. it's a Dro- fucking, it's a, it's drop, a piece of graffiti. 
they must have been staking this out, this guy. How did they know he was doing this? Like, how do you how do you get the drone and the helicopter? I don't know. Pay, paying attention to the most important things going on in your neighborhood. Oh, like God. You usually do. Uh, the artist likely panicked into hiding inside the tower because the NYC sent the helicopter in after him. That's Kotaku uh, editorializing, as, they, as they, they are wont to do. Then he, decided, he he climbed down, finally, at 1.30 p.m. in the afternoon, 12 hours after he was discovered. He was up for 12 hours he was arrested. There you go. Oh, there's a picture here. You can't really see the. the can you see on top? This picture's from the from the ground. You can't really see the question mark on there. Yeah, I you can see the it. yellow thing. You can see he started. This is the yellow block. He did a square. He started doing that. There you go. That's a fun story, Ian. I didn't say what I did this weekend. We, we glossed over that. Besides watching the fight, that's all I really did. I, I just I just watched. I did nothing this week. I watched X Files reruns. Which is now my new thing. I'm all DVR. Comet is like a sci-fi channel that actually shows sci-fi stuff, uh, um, and they show like uh, Battlestar Galactica from, which was supposed to be a good show, the one that came out in the 2000s. I never saw it. I heard it was um, good. Never watched it. Um, Battlestar Galactica. They they do uh, Ray Bradbury Theater, which I never saw that. Um, and then they do all the X Files. They they show like two or three X Files a day. So I'm DVRing all of them, all eleven seasons. I'm going back and rewatching. I mean, damn, that first season is really good. There's only like one or two clunkers in that first season. They are all really yeah. good episodes. Yeah, it started off great. Um, it was strong the first like three, four, five years. And then it went down the hill, downhill because they couldn't figure out how to... Uh, Chris Carter couldn't figure out that he needs to like end story arcs and not just keep building them to a crescendo that never gets hit. Yep. That's the thing about... Come on, Chris. You can, you can end storylines and restart them. One of the most disappointing endings of any franchise ever. Uh, God... Sorry, I love X Files. It did not deserve that treatment. That and Married Children got no no good send offs at all. Pisses me off. The shows are on forever. Uh, you know what else to talk about forever? I talk about UltimateNintendo.com forever and ever and ever. There you can get Super Nintendo and NES guidebooks. You can get the RBI baseball stickers that Ian apparently uh, is jealous of, the RBI baseball stickers. Um, and you can get the enamel pins, which you can't be jealous of because your face is on one of them right there. Yeah. And those are. <laughs> Yeah, the most pathetic yeah ever. Yeah. And those are at ultimatenintendo.com. My books are back in stock at retromtl.com. That means Montreal. If you're in Canada, go to the store, go to their website, order them. Viva la Canada? No. Let's be fr- well, there's French people in Montreal. And the summer of video game years continues. The volume five DVD. End end the end the series properly by getting your Volume 5 DVD of the video game years at ultimatenintendo.com. Two more, two more weeks ago, every Monday, we're showing those off on my YouTube channel every Monday. And every Wednesday, I'm at uh, twitch.tv slash contracode playing the 80s and 90s hits. I'm like a DJ, Ian, doing that. Commercial DJ. As my stomach's rumbling because Ian mentioned five different delicious foods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what else is delicious? Uh, this Super HD System 3 Pro from Terra Onion that uh, is coming. It, it is out. Um, so I believe this is a pro model to the original Super HD System 3, which was um, an add-on for a PC engine that not only allowed you to play uh, your uh, PC engine uh, Hue card files, but also uh, <laughs> Super CD, um, CD-ROM, arcade 
and I don't know if the original one did this, but now it appears super graphics games. Uh, I think the big thing that this one can do that the previous one could not do that makes it worth mentioning is it can load open source FPGA cores. Ah. So ah. not only can you do, you know, the PC Engine stuff on this, but... Uh, so this is a drive, not like an optical. It's an optical drive replacement sort of thing, like they do with the other, like with Saturn. It's not. Yeah, it just yeah. doesn't. But it doesn't install the same way. It literally just clips onto the back. Of the clips PC. on the back. You don't. Yeah. You, you can, anyone can just plug and play this. Yes, so that's as long cool. As you have a PC engine. Uh, um. So ideally, you would be able to eventually play. I would say probably Genesis, NES, Super Nintendo stuff off of this if it's able to load those cores. That's pretty interesting. So it's not just. It's for your PC engine, but it's not. It's not limited to that in terms of what you can do with it. Uh, and you get, obviously, HD out, 480p, 720p. It is an AV multi-out with RGB output from digital. Yeah, this is cool. This is a nice solution um, to play your turbo and PC and stuff in a modern way. Can this Does this work on a turbo? Because the, the, the box has a turbo graphics color scheme on it. So is it... Maybe. Maybe it can is that port the, the same? Back. Is that port the same on the back? Yeah, it might so be. Say, it might be the same width? Might be. Someone tell someone at someone at Terran you can get in touch with me about that. Uh, it is a little spendy, as Frank would say. It's about uh, Pat Math, about two hundred eighty dollars. Pat Math. So you know, but this will be the the solution if if you have if you have the hardware laying around the original hardware. This this could be for you. If, if you I'm not it. wrong, I think that is slightly cheaper than it previously was too. I think the original was three hundred when it came out a few well, years ago. So there you go. Not so bad. Seeing a reduction in price. So the, the, the golden age of handhelds, and now the, the PC engine got the analog duo. It's going to come out. You got this thing here. You know what else? It's the golden age of what? What? April O'Neil. Oh, she has the well. She's yellow, but yes, she's a yellow jump shoot. Yes, uh, April was announced. Uh, this is just kind of fun. I thought uh, announced as a playable character in that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game that's coming out, Shredder's Revenge. That continues to look fucking fantastic. They released a new um, our pals at Tribute. Yeah, they released a new trailer during um, Gamescom, and it showed a little bit more of the game in action, but the big thing it showed off was that April's a playable character. I don't think she's ever been a playable character in any of the beat-em-ups. She's been training. Um, so that's pretty cool. And then the very next day, she was announced as a playable character in Nicktoons Brawls, which on, which surprisingly we haven't brought up no, let's, at let's, let's not gloss over this Turtles thing first, though. Yeah, let's, let's let's stick on the turtles here. This is a cool. This is cool. You're adding a, a new uh, character to this series, a new uh, character. I like that she uses like the microphone and attacks and stuff. That's cool. Uh, her move set uh, is really fun. So she not only yeah. uses the microphone to attack and does a mic drop literally in oh, one of the attacks. That. I missed that. She does a combo on one of the uh, foot soldiers and then literally finishes it by dropping the mic on it when it, and then the mic explodes. And she also uses the TV camera as like a sledgehammer. Looks like something like that. Um, um, it's like, and there's there's now like team up moves, a la Simpsons Arcade, which well, is nice. Yeah, she uh, cops like three moves from different Street Fighter characters, like almost frame by frame exactly. The team up move is Armika's team up move from Street Fighter Five, um, right down to the two people doing the butt bomb. That's what Armika does. The uh, her upward kicks, I can't remember the actual name, are ripped directly from Chun Li, and her one They're punch borrowed. Yeah. And uh, borrowed. It's an homage. It's I think it's homage. great. And then she's even got, I think it's uh, Karen's Rekka, her punch from uh, Street Fighter as well. So she's got like three different Street Fighter moves in there, plus her own, um, you know, neat move set. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I, I want Irma playable. 
I yes. love my Irma. I, I love that trio of Irma. And who was the news editor? I, I loved. I loved them from the original cartoon. Yeah, I love them. I love that trio. But I, I, was there another guy or no? Some of the news editor. Was there someone else that showed up? I was. I saw no. someone talking. It was like there. There. There should be enough to make like a news team team if you oh, really God. wanted to. Come on, <laughs> come on. Gotta get Irma in there with her. Uh, what does she wear? Like some sweaters, sweater attack. Uh, I'll be. Sh- I'd be shocked if they didn't announce at least one more playable character. I'd be shocked if there's not Casey in this. Uh, Casey or Splinter. I think Splinter will probably be the... I, I have a feeling we'll get both at some point. One of them will probably be DLC. I mean, it, I don't, yeah, Casey doesn't even show up in the original arcade game. I don't think even as a cameo no. when I think about it. Um, speaking of that, I saw a, a Twitter thing from Marpad Pix- Pixel Dan. He retweeted, uh, NECA got, they got the license to, to uh, uh, Yojimbo. Usagi Yojimbo is going to be a figure. Oh, and, nice. And they're... They're re- so people love that line. Those figures are expensive as hell, but they look really nice. Whatever the you know, the NECA stuff that they come out with, they look like the cartoons are like eight inch or whatever. What's the guy? Inch. Who's the guy who created them? Stan Sakai, I think, is the guy who created Usagi Yojimbo. Yeah, so I guess they originally licensed it out to them for the cartoon and for the toys. And so yeah, people always it. think of it as a Ninja Turtles character, but it wasn't. It was a it was a it was a long it's a long yeah. running comic before and since. Yeah, so it's interesting. That was one of my favorite figures I had as a kid. Usagi Yojimbo. Oh yeah, that figure was great. Yeah, it had the sword, his sword and knife. Yeah, it was great. So um, April is also announced in Nickelodeon All Star Brawl, uh, which we haven't brought up yet. It's a Nickelodeon Smash Brothers clone. Um, a pure clone in terms of how it looks and it looks at how it plays. Like this isn't like the say like like the the PlayStation bullshit. This is like a pure clone. Uh, this is not the first time they've done it. I believe there was one on the GameCube. Uh, but the thing that's been interesting about this is there's actually people who are fairly excited about it, not only because of the roster, but because the game is going to be using rollback netcode, which is, you know, the, the current gold standard for netcode. And that's something that Smash Brothers does not use. So there's no game like Smash Brothers out there right now that I'm aware of. People can correct me. Um that uses this rollback netcode that is widely adopted. So I think people are kind of tongue-in-cheek excited about it, but also like, well, maybe, maybe if this is actually a lot of fun, this could be like the online Smash Brothers we've been looking for. In a if weird we want way. this sort of you know party-type game. You know, it won't have 90 playable characters. It'll probably get like 10 or 12. Oh, you're going uh, to get a bunch. Yeah, but you're not going to get as much as... No, 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 no. But you're going to get a bunch. So right now they got uh, Ren and Stimpy's Powder Toast Man. Really nice to see that because obviously Ren and Stimpy is not a kid-friendly proper property at this point. And there hasn't been a new Ren and Stimpy Nickelodeon cartoon in 30 years. Characters from um, TMNT, Real Monsters, uh, Invader Zim, Danny Phantom, SpongeBob SquarePants, of course. Um, so it's really kind of... And Ninja Turtles because Nintendo owns that. Nintendo. Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon owns it. So yeah, lots of lots of characters to appeal to not only like the current generation of Zoomers, but also millennials as well. Um, I and- want you can't do that in, in television. I want Christine Mc, uh, Moose as a playable character. I want Kevin <laughs> Kubicheski as a playable. I want Barf as as a playable character. There you go, make it happen. Go up to Canada, get the rights. Those were never re released anywhere. I'm streaming. Oh yeah, and that was on for like nine years. That show you can't do that on television. Yeah. So, anyways, this game should be neat. Could be neat. Kevin Kubicheski DLC with his nice feathery flowing hair that he had. On his get Mr. Jacket. Ernest from Hey Dude. Mr. Ernst? And Mr. Ernst from Hey Dude. That'd be good. Uh, and then the kid that was a Mets fan. I remember that. They moved from New York. Buddy. I want Melody. I want Melody from Hey 
Oh, I, no, I like Brad. I like Brad's husky voice and a brunette hair. I was going to say, Melody, Melody versus Brad, no items, final destination. <clears throat> I had a crush on Brad. And then Melody ended up uh, marrying Ben Stiller. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's, it's funny how that works out, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, I didn't see her do anything after that. And then was she was in a show? couple of movies. Like, I, yeah. I, I saw her like once or twice, and I always what? was like, hey, that's Melody. What the hell did Brad do afterwards? I don't know. Or Danny? What did they do? Now we've got Brad. Uh, what happened to Kelly Brown from Hey Dude? Uh, oh, this was interviewed seven years ago, four years ago. Interesting. I want, I want to see what happened. Now, now, now I'm interested. That was 1989, Hey Dude. Was, was that on for a couple years? How many years was that on for? Sorry, this is going to become a Nickelodeon podcast now as we talk about this stuff. Kelly Brown. Oh, she just did Hey Dude. That's it. Wow. It was on for three years. 89, 90, 91. That was it. Oh, Kelly Brown, we hardly knew ye. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Sorry, what are we talking about here? Childhood crushes? We were doing a podcast. We were? We were. Uh, something about the Amico Road Tour. You can go off on that. I was going to have a brilliant segue, Ian. Well, you didn't sound like you were going to have a brilliant segue, so wow. I was trying. You yell in my fucking ear. <laughs> you insult my segue. You said, what are we doing? You insult my RBI baseball stickers. We're going to throw down, Ian. We're going to fucking start tossing chairs. <sighs> This is this is not, this is it. This is how the this is how the podcast ends. You, episode oh we at two eighty. What are we at? Right? Three eighty. What the fuck are we at? Four eighty. Two eighty. I don't know. I can't keep counting anymore. <sighs> the Amico's going on a road tour. Apparently, they're going to tour it around. Yeah, they're going to drum up press because that's what they need to do right now instead of you know releasing the system. Uh, they they put out a, a handy dandy press release on their site. Um, and television entertainment announces a Miko road short road show and tour road show. Like they're going to have like, like a stage event. That's what makes it sound like, like, like Sharon Lois and Brea going on tour for the elephant show. It's an all Nickelodeon show right now. Uh, a follow up to the successful Crayola experience event. Oh, it was, it was sexy. And they, they invented a new uh, color for Crayola that weekend. I heard they did all this stuff. It's like you said yeah, uh, earlier before we started recording. Like, uh, if they hadn't done this event, what would they be talking about right nothing, now? Nothing. Nothing. There's nothing going on in television land right now. They rented the Party Palooza Party Pavilion at, uh, you know, Crayola. The, uh, Crayola. <laughs> they got their they got their uh, their pizza squares for everyone. <laughs> like like a like a like a bowling alley party. Acted like it was a we, bold partnership, forging new ground in partnerships. Yes. Because uh, it's all about the partnerships. So, um, they even said, they even put, there was a partnership in progress on their fundable page, which has now since been removed. Oh, with Crayola? Yes. Yeah, so Crayola probably was like, what are you doing? You can't use our, our trademark and name to promote your, your shit. Pr- yeah. We let you rent out our place. Get, thanks for that. But that's where the relationship yeah, ends. Thanks for your money. We're not friends. We're not partnered with you because we exchanged money. That's not a partnership. Tommy's the sort of person who would think a sex worker was in love with him. Okay. You went there. Okay. Same thing. 
100 well, soften it. I'll say a stripper or or a dan- sure. exotic dancer. Be like, oh, but she were like, but 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 uh, Amber really likes me. I, I have a partnership with Amber down at down at. The, She's down always Pacers. happy to see me. She smiles at me and takes my money. Yeah, before the lap dance. Of okay. course they do, Tommy. Uh, speaking of fa- family fun, um, they're going to go to two locations. Never in the history of the world did I ever think a, a roadshow and tour was two locations, but here we are. L.A., which is around where they're, they're based at, what, like Irvine, so not too far. No. And Salt Lake City, which is interesting because they, they bring up Salt Lake City every now and then for, for having some sort of operation out there doing market research you hear about or doing some focus group testing. Maybe because that's where the family stuff's going on. I don't know. You think you think the Mormons are going to be a big market for the Amico? I don't know why, but Salt Lake City comes up when you hear Amico murmur for some reason. Well, if the family friendly shtick doesn't fucking sell it to you know a mass audience, he could always put it in. I don't know church circulars. Well, it's funny you say that because I think they're going. That's going to be their strategy. They're going to try to get this into like nursing homes. It sounds like or old people's homes and go down the Christian route and, and sell that. That's, I think, what they're now going to bank on. They're not no longer, no longer banking on this being like, oh, this is going to be the new we and sell to millions of people. And now it's like, we got to just see what we can do with this thing. Um, yeah. So they're, gonna, they're, they're saying it's going to be select cities in the U.S. over the next several months. But there's only two announced, one for L.A. and one in October. It's not, it's not a tour if they're a month apart. Bands that go on tour and have things once a month they, they play every day or every other day like that's a tour it's not a tour once also, a month two dates is not a tour it's not a tour just say you're doing events like even the even the press releases they have to like fib and t- you know like stretch the truth when it comes to this amico is a new f- video game system it's not a system yet it's a upcoming system that will redefine family entertainment with a broad variety of family-friendly games free of profanity and violence amico the italian word for friend Comes with two easy to use color touch controls. <laughs> they got to say that. They got to just say, like, why we chose this this name. The Italian word for friend. It's like, why? Why do that? One of those, what do you, what do you want? One of those Italians? <laughs> uh, apparently, the Creole experience in Pennsylvania was so much fun that the kids and their parents didn't want to put the game down. I'm, this is their quotes, Ian. Yeah. I'm, I'm, make sure I'm, this isn't coming out of your mouth. No, 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 no. I, okay. I, I thought I said apparently the Creole experience in Pennsylvania okay. was so much fun. Uh, they didn't want to put the game down. Uh, they were excited to extend the opportunity to a larger audience. Yeah, because when you shuffle people into a room with a video game system, kids are always going, especially if they're in a place like the Crayola Experience, kids always gravitate towards the most video gamey thing at any place they're taken. Go to a museum. They're always, anything that's interactive. Anything interactive. Screens, anything interactive, touch, anything yeah. you can touch. Yeah, sure. They're going to love it. They're going to tell their parents they love it. And they're going to tell you that you love it when you're breathing down their necks and asking them if they love it. And uh, holding oh, a camera in front of them. That's according face. to Danny... Erdlatz, who leads consumer events at Intelligent, a, a new challenge. This is a name we haven't seen before. A challenger appears. This is an, a Nintendo employee that worked there for maybe a month and a half or someone who used to be at Microsoft. Is, okay. Here's another one of those blanket uh, statements by Amico that is just humorous. Every game on Amico encourages group participation and teamwork. <laughs> it's a couch co-op okay. in, in style of gameplay. Yeah, because you're, okay. really, you're really putting the, the family's brains together to play through a game of uh, Astro, Smash? A- Astro Smash. Shoot rocks that are falling. Or Evil Knievel. Uh, make sure your, your, your dangly guy doesn't that doesn't sound good. Your dangly guy doesn't fall off the motorcycle when you do jumps. How is that co-op? That that most most popular of team co-op sports skiing. Yes, 
which I think they already said is is uh, was there like eight only eight or ten ten tracks? levels no difficulty no difficulty level no ten ten stages no difficulty just a levels. standard difficulty yes ten stages what is that fifteen minutes of gameplay like what are you getting out of twenty minutes that came out of Tommy's mouth on that Atari age oh, well, for it. I'm sure but, he'll go but, and delete it now but but you know but they're cheaper than a triple A game the difference is a triple A game you can play for dozens of hours. And seeing new content still, you can't do that with these games, apparently. I can also you know? play a lot of games that I've purchased for $10 on the Switch for hours and hours. But this is like, these are quick and simple little, well, they want to be the board game console. A lot of board games you can play, play a game of life even in 25 minutes. You know, p- play some, uh, play some Trouble. Trouble is like 10 minute game, 15 minute game, right? The Popmatic Bubble. Play some Uno. That's like 10 minutes. There you go. You get your 10 minute video games. You get your 10 minute games right there. Uh, what else is in, in this, uh, this this not much show? Just fluff. I don't really have a whole lot more to say about it. All I can say is that I this I will see what happens. And television pioneered the video game. Mattel made the Intellivision. Can we stop with this? Intellivision was a name of a product. Yeah, it was. A, it started as a name of a product. Yes, they eventually sold off in Brazil. Mattel made the Intellivision. Can we just like correct that? for like we did before but it gets forgotten somehow this isn't even an intellivision thing this is like every single person who scoops up a new uh scoops up an old uh license oh, yeah. or trademark they always act like it's still the same you know just uh, lineage from it's, the past it's, it's how not it's, it's how atari is now yeah it's like they transferred it through three different hands yeah you're, you're transferring over some of the game properties and the trademarks but it's like come on can we stop with this you didn't trailblaze anything Tommy. no no, Mattel, Mattel put some money into this and eventually said, well, this sucks. We got to get out of this and sold it off. And that's, <laughs> that's what happened. The same, the same way like Atari, well, Time Warner screwed that and sold that up. They got, Atari got sold and played around with so many times even before the 90s. We forget about. Yeah, okay. I wonder if Mattel would be like, yeah, you know, we're going to get back into this and do it. No, Mattel did the hyperscan. Didn't they do the hyperscan? Yeah. That, and, that, and that was Mattel. And they actually are a company with like a track record yep. and lots of money, and they fit. We never brought up the Hyperscan. That might be the closest sort of uh, parallel to this console. That came out. Yeah, people, quick and easy games. There are people make they make that comparison. Yeah, I don't even really know anything about the Hyperscan, but it is a comparative. But it had Mattel behind it. They had real properties. They had superhero properties and other stuff. It was stuff. like barcode scanning yeah. and shit like that, I think. And it, that failed horrendously. That they they didn't I don't think they broke a hundred thousand units of the hyperscan. Let me look that up real quick. I don't think we ever brought that up before. Hyperscan. But like they look like mobile ish type of games. They sold ten thousand. Mattel a Mattel console sold maybe ten thousand, and they had X Men and Spider Man games attached to that. Um, Marvel Heroes. They had a wrestling game. Ian. Oh, did not Interstellar Wrestling League on there. They had a handful of games. There you go. There you go. Nice parallel. Look up the Mattel Hyperscan. Maybe you'll see a, a, a gaming historian uh, video about that in the future. All right. You want to talk about Gamescom real quick? They did a little Gamescom little thing. They talked about the Amico. And what you got out of that was uh, Tommy said that the reason Earthworm Jim has been worked on is because the Earthworm Jim team members are pulled off of that to work on other games and the UI and other, and it was just like who are we is anyone buying this in the world the other thing um, that i would point out about uh, gamescom and it's really a, you know i think the big takeaway and all i really have to say is 3 years in 3 years are we more than 3 years in at this point we're 3 years in we're 3 years in the announcement just about 3 years in since the announcement almost 
three delays, and their most recent showing is 20 to 25 minutes of the just absolutely engrossing um, Astro Smash. That, again, um, gives me no confidence that this thing is anywhere near a state of launch if all you can show is one game that you've already shown off. Remember that that weird video? I can't remember which video it was, but it had like three minutes of uncut Astro Smash footage. Mm-hmm. It's like one of the only games they've shown off in any sort of uncut form for longer than, than um, you know, 15 seconds. That and maybe Breakout, <sighs> I think, got a pretty good showing because... Talk about that August, August one from yeah, a year ago? Yeah, probably that. Breakout got a fairly good showing, too, with some uncut footage, probably because that was made by a competent developer. Who yeah, an independent developer. Yeah. Please, sir, if you're out there, come out with that game. The Miko, if it never comes out, you can still, hopefully, your contract, you can break that and put that game out. That should not be exclusive. I'll put 10 bucks down put, on that. Put it on the Switch. It's, yeah. You'll make money. Give a vertical option, too. I, I, don't, I have trouble playing horizontal breakout, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to destroy your vision, sir. But anyway, but, but uh, yeah, put that out on other consoles and it'll sell. Yeah. I'll plug it, sir. I will plug that. It's a game. nice looking game. <laughs> I will plug that breakout game. But it, I'm not buying an Amico for it. No, no one is. That, that that's the takeaway. No one's buying an Amico just for to play a, a nice looking breakout. No one's doing that. Remember the Pong game with the football? How awful that looked. Yeah, and they that's one of the Germany g- games that they got fun to do. I found out. It's one of the ones that I forgot about. They, that, that they it's, took it's taxpayer. Wacky. They took taxpayer money to make it's a fucking Patrick pick up Pong clone. Oh. I'm 25 percent German, so I'm pissed at that. You want to play Pong with Mickey? They they, they took. I, I got I got rail. Extended relative somewhere in Germany still, probably. Probably that line hasn't died off, even though we came over in the 1850s, the German line. It's true, Ian. Came here, went right to work. Grab a rifle, fight those Rebs. That's basically what's going to happen with a lot of immigrants. You know, not right away, but you know, there was a draft. You ignoring me? What's up with my Civil War history? No? Okay. Okay, fine. This portion of the CU Podcast is sponsored by Megacat Studios and Ronew's Tale, a new NES game coming soon. Polish those magic and thinking skills because there's no turning back. Help Ronew find his way through a death-defying dungeon and take down a plague of enemies hell-bent on keeping him there. Watch your step. You're no longer on stable ground. 43 levels of dangerous pathways, head-scratching puzzles, a whirlwind of enemies, and epic bosses, limbo, lava, jungle, and cross-dimensional pixel-immersive mechanics intuitive and precise controls. They all wait you with Ronio's Tale. Fans of Lolo, Solomon's Key, and Kickle Cubicle get a new challenge with 40 plus levels in Ronio's Tale. That's awesome. I don't think there's enough games quite like those other games, so I'm excited to see something carry on that legacy. You can support the Kickstarter and get the game at retro.mom. That's retro.mom. Support Ronio's Tale by Megacat Studios. Uh, Ian! Yeah. We've had a, a whirlwind week in the aftermath of the explosive investigative journalism done by Carl Jobst and his video unwrapping the layers of alleged uh, market manipulation and deceit with the people behind the water. Are we gr- certain it's Jobst? Jobst. Jobst. Hopst. Hopst. I hope it's Jobst because uh, he doesn't correct me when I when I when I you know Jobst. text him. Well, then we'll but, just say it's Jobst. Um, thanks for derailing me, Ian. I want to get that right. We're a week in. We're a week in now after that explosive video that um, outlined things that we've spoken about for two, two and a half years about the the intricate relationship between the peoples, the people, the people that founded 
WADA grading service, people that run heritage auctions, and everything in between. And he uh, did a very, very, very good video about it. He, he did include probably all the details and information he had, by the way. Um, and from that, people finally started to take notice because me and Ian yelling about it and raving isn't as polished and as nice as a nice video with with receipts on the screen and SEC filings and videos. Like, that's what you want. We're bums. That's what you want. We're bumps. We're drunken podcasters. Bums. We're hungry and drunken podcasters when it comes down to it. Now, the mainstream has started to take notice, including some gaming sites in the past that pr- pretty much, we'll just say, didn't do their diligence in covering this stuff in the past. Uh, there was a Video Games Chronicle article and a Kotaku article that covered Carl's coverage of this. So it's like, okay, here's the stuff wrapped in a bow. This guy did it for you. But they're covering his coverage. Uh, so outline the relationship, record-breaking prices. Uh, this is his article. This is Ethan Gock. Gock. Gack. Not only, this is his quote, not only does he accuse heritage auctions of fraudulent behavior, wasn't directly accusing of fraudulent behavior. He said it could be fraud based upon the players involved in heritage auctions that were buying and selling games, which we'll get into. Um, he also questions the motive of <clears throat> the motives of water games, which appears to be revolving door between graders, collectors, and sellers. Yes, that's clear. I mean, we, we have Dennis Khan, one of the co-founders of Water, basically saying, "I'm doing this to, to help you know pump up the market." That's you know he says these things clearly. It's like, oh, it's it's not just about helping you know gamers or collectors. It's like I want to raise the importance and how this looks, and you know, it, 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 it was clear there was a plan here that there was collusion involved here. Um, there's a select group of very wealthy, very powerful people pulling the strings behind this recent spike in video game prices, and the same people are making money hand over fist, Jobst argues in his video. Uh, WADA Games did not respond directly to requests for comment. I think they eventually did. But however, WADA parent company has engaged in services, a PR firm called Golden Solutions. They actually didn't. Uh, this, But this is what, what they did here. This is what uh, Golden said. And Golden is an auction. One of the things they do is they're an auction house. which we get into. They're going to start auctioning this stuff off. They said, Water Games is a trusted leader in collectible video game grading, and we're honored to play a key role in this booming industry that we are incredibly passionate about. We're humbled by the support of our thousands of customers who trust us to provide accurate and transparent grading. The claims in this video are completely baseless and defamatory, and it is unfortunate that Mr. Jobs did not contact us to give us the opportunity to correct him. I love these statements always never point out what was actually defamatory or baseless. Right. It's always, oh, it was defamatory and baseless. Don't, that, nothing you said is true. Don't worry about it. It's not like Carl laid down multiple facts and relationships with receipts about all this and timelines of, of events. So that's interesting. And, and Golden is going to start doing video game auctions. Right now, they're starting to auction off games, including uh, water-graded games and VGA, which we'll get into. So... Um, the spokesperson for Golden Solutions reached out that the firm actually works for Collector's Universe. There you go. So remember, Collector's Universe, when did they just do that deal? Collector's Universe purchased WADA right after that huge sale in July. So this is Collector's Universe, who runs Golden now, buying WADA to do this stuff. Just to talk for them. Did I get that right? I think. Did I get that right? Yeah, Collectors... Yeah, they acquired... This is the timeline events. Collectors Holdings, which includes Collectors Universe, bought the auction house 
in early July, right? Mm-hmm. That's this article I'm looking at. A few weeks later, they then buy WADA, who grades the game. All within a month, and now August 31st, they start auctioning off video games, including WADA graded games that they own the company of. Do I have that right? Someone correct me if I'm wrong, but that looks like the timeline of events happening here. Is that does that seem sleazy to anyone else? Definitely seems strange. If I have that wrong, correct me. But that's what it looks like. Auction pioneer Ken Golden sold uh, Golden Auctions to collectors' holdings in July first. This article I'm reading. So this this is all happening pretty fucking quickly. All this big money getting into this new sector, investing sector. Alternative asset. Alternative asset, which, again, did not exist three years ago. Yeah. Three years ago, this did not exist. So this is Golden going to bat for WADA because that now Golden Auctions slash Collector's Universe is WADA. They're all melded together now. So they put out this statement to Kotaku to say that. But there's also, remember, Heritage Auctions. They were talked about as well. And, and Jim Halperin, who was a, a co-founder and an investor, uh, they took him off the website of WADA. He's, he was connected to this. I guess with the sale, maybe he's no longer connected. He got a buyout. I have no idea how this works. But he put out a statement as well, basically saying, I didn't do anything wrong, blah, 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 blah. And, it, and, and that's where we're at. They're not going to admit that they're wrong. This is what Heritage Auction says. Heritage Auctions wishes it had been given the opportunity to respond before the video's publication because there are numerous misstatements of fact and inaccurate conclusions contained within the piece. Of course, they won't point out what. Uh, Heritage strongly refutes any allegation that it or its officers are involved in shill bidding, market manipulation, or any similarly illegal or unethical practices. Heritage prides itself on our transparency and being a place built, built by and for collectors. With this in mind, we welcome the opportunity to discuss the video game marketplace further and would invite Mr. Jobs to our world headquarters in Dallas to tour our operations and speak further with leadership. We're going to throw him out of a window and claim he committed suicide? Like, what? Like, why? What? <laughs> why did you go to... What are the, are, why would you have to go to the headquarters? Here's the room where we keep the stuff mailed us before we auction it. You want to hold the gavel call? Or you want to hit the... <laughs> like, what do you... Like, what do you, you want, the, you want you a want, photo opportunity? You want to hit the... Hit the slab, whatever it is, for a thirty dollar uh, non refundable fee. Uh, what do you th- What do you think you're gonna sweet talk, Carl? Are <laughs> you gonna buy him dinner and say, "Hey, Carl"? Unless they think they're gonna like, hey, you know, here's a briefcase of cash. If something happens, to this briefcase we'll turn it back. So we won't. Sell. What do you think you're gonna do? I don't want anyone to get any wrong ideas, but buying me dinner is actually a great way to, you know. Get me to change my mind on things. Best way to a man's heart through his stomach. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, what they say. Fucking, that's, fucking, that's true. True. I mean, God, find someone that can cook for you. Oof, that'd be good. No, I, I cook for myself. I cook for myself more more so than anything. Or we're getting off topic here. Um, so here you have a weak statement put out by Wada. Sl- I now have to say Wada slash Golden slash Collectors Universe. I got to now say that every time because they're all intertwined, disgustingly so. Um, you have that. We also got and, a... Uh, uh, and then you have the Heritage Auction Statement. Then we've got one from Jeff Meyer from Go Collect, the guy who bought a Nintendo Age and shut it down. He does a more in-depth 
response to the allegations. And he was an investor in WADA. Yes. And it was not disclosed, disclosed. to a lot of people. I didn't know about it. So um, it starts off, you know, I'm still very much looking forward to hearing from Mr. Jobs to set up a live stream. In the meantime, I'd like to answer the questions that have surfaced over the past several days on social media and message boards so that no one has to wait on that interview for answers. So he starts with some additional context, which, uh, okay. Um, you know, he talks about the largest piece of missing transparency is the video games market is rooted in the lack of census information for both WADA and VGA. I'm confident that if either of them release their data, it will be clear that there was no need for inflating grades to achieve ideal auction results. It only helps. This this person, he tries to be like, he tries to say like, oh, uh, Carl said I was employed, employee of the company. He never said that. He said you were involved with the company as a director and an investor, which gives you even more power than even an employee. And either way, you shouldn't be getting involved. WADA, which Carl pointed out, WADA did have and does have, which we'll talk about how weak it is, the the um, company policy that if you work for us, you, you should not be buying and selling these games. Therefore, a director and investor shouldn't be doing it as well, in yeah. my estimation. Something like, why was your board position at WADA not disclosed? I've never made any attempt to keep my board position secret. But this what? Then why wasn't it out there? Um but this conversation started by Carl highlights the sensitivity to the collecting community around this topic, as it should be. He, he had, a, 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 I think, a website statement that included WADA where it said there are partners that it wasn't saying, like, yeah, I'm technically part of this company. I'm a co-owner. When you're an investor, you're a co-owner, technically, of, of a company. My minor um, investment with WADA was not a secret and was regularly discussed with the many people that I had contact with during the brief period, which I released a large portion of the sealed NES games from the Carolina collection. My board position was a formality based on my modest investment in the company. So not, This is what I was trying to say. Uh, these people are running around. They're not thinking this stuff through. They're, they're throwing around that they're board members and parts of this and investors in that to add legitimacy to what they're doing, not thinking about the pitfalls and downfalls that come with this. Here's the bottom line. And the fact that they can't do certain things once they've done this. Here's the bottom line. This individual, while being a part of the company, right, acquires these games. I don't don't even care about the the acquisition, and and, and I don't think Dana Anderson did anything wrong, by the way, for the record. I don't think Dana Anderson did anything wrong with any of this. Um, Acquires the games. While you're a part of this company, then, you're having your own company grade these games... Do I have that right? Then tag him with Carolina Collection. Gives it a special oomph. All right? I'm still part of this company. I'm going to then sell these games through Heritage Auctions, which has a connection to my company. That's what what Jeff Meyer uh, did here. And to him, it's like, well, people knew about it, so who cares? It's not up for, it's not up for the few people you told, you know, in, in your little, uh, you know, your back-end uh, collecting groups. Does the public know that? Do the people bidding on those games or even seeing it, do podcasts realize that, wow, this, this guy auctioned up this Carolina collection, he's actually a part of the company that graded this shit? That you don't think that should be disclosed to people? You don't think there's conflicts of interest that should be disclosed? These, are these people operating in a different world than us, in a different world of ethics that doesn't apply? They don't, think, they don't think that can affect the marketplace at all, these relationships? Insider trading sort of uh, behavior? Like, you, don't, you think it's okay. There's nothing wrong with this. It's not, is it a victimless, victimless crime? 
What else did he say, Ian? Anything else important? Um, there? I mean, the only other thing I'd point out is the why did Wada name the collection? That seems like special treatment. Assigning a pedigree, a prominent collection, a reference name is nothing new in collecting. No, it's not. It's the fact that yours got the collection while you were the collection name while you were working there. It's all of the things summed up together. Sure. Um, then just talk about Nintendo Age. Why did you shut it down? Um, you said, oh, it was, it was a different hosting provider. Didn't have the resources or the time. And it's like, uh, all I know is this. Uh, from knowing Dane, and he loved Nintendo Age, obviously. He worked on it for a long time. It's not like he was profiting off of it. Uh, I I don't think he would have sold all this stuff to Jeff Meyer if he thought it was going to be shut down. And not, you know what I mean? I, I don't think he would have. Sure. Which he got in writing, you know, that would have survived in, in, a, in, a, in a state and continued. A lot of those people migrated to uh, Video Game Sage. Uh, a lot of those people did, or but some people. A lot of people didn't, though. So, I, didn't, I mean, I didn't. I, I, I can tell you as a as a person uh, who has been an active member on a number of forums over over time. When a forum goes down, everyone says they're just going to. Oh, you just type in a different address and it's there. But not everyone migrates. The feeling is different. You get new and, moderators. At, no, people. I find that people rarely migrate to new message boards. Sure, sure. So. Those are the statements you had, three statements you had. Uh, Wada didn't put out a direct statement. They, they let the people who just bought them put out a statement, which we'll get into. Um, we had Herge Auctions inviting you out for dinner and coffee. or and Then you had the statement from Jeff Meyer uh, here. One from photo with the gavel. Um, so, so this is what I'm going to say here. This, this is – I'm not going to say wh- what direction it's going to be going week to week, but – a lot of people now know about this that didn't know about it seven days ago. Mainstream uh, outlets, I believe, may be at least looking into this to cover this, not just gaming sites. Who are, basically, the gaming websites, I, I'm not going to bring up the, about the state of gaming journalism, but the gaming websites for, so far have just been regurgitating whatever's been thrown in front of them, whether it's you know statements or not uh, fact-checking some of this stuff. At this point, they're at least saying that what Carl has said in his video may have merit a little bit, enough to, enough to do an a re- article about it. But a lot of people know other people to discuss things like this. There's a lot of people that, um, you know, we're getting older. This is like, oh, it's video games. We're, we're, you know, we're 40 now. When you get to like 40, it's like you're established uh, sometimes. You know, you got lawyers that probably watch the podcast, uh, reporters that watch this podcast, you know, you, you, and, and follow the stuff in general. Watch Carl's video. Carl's video is going to hit a million views it pretty, pretty damn soon probably. You have a lot more eyes on this than, than, than you'd want if you were the people at WADA or Heritage Auctions now. Sure. This is not under the bridge like, oh, this is fine. They made a mistake. They did this too quickly. They got too greedy. Um, and they have now the exposure that I think they didn't want. Not that they were trying to cover up the relationships before, but now you have enough people yelling about it uh, and making enough noise that now, you know, if we just talk about it, it can be ignored, potentially. If 20,000 people, 40,000 people hear us talk about it, that's actually not that much. No. You, you got millions of people talking about this. That's something. That's a whole degree of, of, of difference, including uh, Seth, Seth Abramson, that has now done his own spit on this that will get, get to at investigating this stuff as well. We're talking about people that have, that have a million followers alone that are now... You know, he's looking into this stuff. Um, what's the one good positive thing to come out of this? VGA, the Video Grading Authority, which is no one's talked about now for years because WADA came in and ate their lunch, uh, which we now know why, because they were setting up a relationship with Heritage Auctions and they, they all knew each other. VGA, the Video Grading Authority, announced in a, 
in their well no one put a lot of stock in vga either just never there are people who are doing it but it never really took off until wada came in the one positive thing about vga is that there there's no relationship with them in an auction house like they they are totally separate yes there's, there's always questions about transparency with vga and who the hell was actually grading their stuff and no one could understand the grading scale that was the knocks but they had as far as we know no relationship to anyone buying and selling their stuff. We didn't know any employees or directors of the company were buying and selling their stuff that we heard about. So they were doing it by the book, even though the product may not have been up to snuff in people's eyes. So on their, you go to the website, you can see why they're so behind the times. Their website is old as hell looking. They put out an August, September, 2021 notice, Ian. They've added staff in several departments. Economy exp- expressed tears for grading stuff. No one's really grading stuff at VGA right now, though. Uh, uh, no. The, the, the action figure stuff, probably, yes, but not the games on, on their side. Uh, so they're trying to capitalize on what's happening probably right now and how Wada's getting thrown on the bus, which is good. That's what you do as a competitor. This is important, this part. We are also nearing the final stages of designing and testing our new website to improve every facet of the customer experience. Initially, our new site will offer more information, an improved online store, and population reports. Yep. They see the writing on the wall. So at the very least with all this bad press for heritage auctions and, and WADA, at least you have the competitor coming out population reports. Of course, I would say, what the fuck kept you from doing this the past decade, past 10 years? What kept you from doing it? You have the information there all the time. If you had uh, done better with maybe PR and being transparent, maybe you wouldn't allow WADA to come in and destroy you on this front. Right. Maybe maybe you're proactive and not reactive. If you could have been actually positive for the collectors, because WADA has been. They've, they've been positive for people with deep pockets and people that got in early. Um, maybe you would have would have been a contender, Ian. Refresh my memory. Is CGC saying they're going to do population reports, or do they already do population reports, they, so it's assumed they're doing population reports? Was it CGA is, is, is the, the parent company of CGC? They do population reports for just about everything else they do. So it says CGA is the parent company of VGA. Oh, okay. I'm confusing them. So CGC, one, I think it's just CGC. It's just CGC. Yeah. So CGC. Damn all these acronyms. So CGC. Um, they certified guarantee company. There you go. Which which CGC? Okay, they do cards, comic books, magazines, and and I was confusing that with Collectors Universe. I think so. Oh, CGC yeah, yeah. certified. Uh, guarantee company they're going to start doing comics they do population reports start doing video, video games. games they do population reports for comics and everything else yeah so that's the positive news there trading cards uh they do uh, magazines concert posters i don't know if they do coins or not so that's the good news is that we're gonna have a third company grading this stuff you at really some point. i mean that's the you one thing i think overall is is that we really need population reports to make it more ab- ab- above but it's too late above the water it's too late it's too late. You know why it's too late, Ian? Hmm. Because uh, that $1.5 million Mario 64, two in same condition are for auction right now with golden auction. Golden auctions. Two up for auction, the same auction. Two, two 9.8 sealed. One 9.8 A++ plus WADA sealed. And the highest grade you can get from VGA, a 95 gold which would be probably the equivalent of that. Right. So within the course of six weeks, you have three, three of these games publicly available, three of them 
I can't think of any other collectible where you'd have three of the same grade of collectible that went for a million dollars available this quickly. This goes back to, well, if you had population reports, maybe you had some idea of how many are actually out there. Right. Because we have no fucking clue. We have no clue. So, yeah, the 95, it's a 95 uh, VJ Mint 95. That's their highest grade as far as I know. And from when I was kind of reading on Video Game Sage, even the slightly lower tiers might qualify as a wad of 9.8. That's what the, the feeling was. Like, well, maybe the 90 gold qualifies. Maybe they might be a little more stringent. Who knows? That's the thing we talk about when going back to Jeff Meyer about we don't know if the people that work for these companies or are associated with them when they are submitting their games are getting preferable treatment. We have no idea. Well, one thing I learned you from know. reading Jeff Meyer's responses is that VGA, I don't know if they still do, but they did. I think they grade differently. I think VGA incorporates the grade of the seal into mm-hmm. the total grade of Overall. the item, whereas I believe WADA grades the seal separately. Gotcha. Well, this says 95 mint uncirculated for this copy up. So uncirculated means they pulled it. Well, so there, so Jeff Meyer was saying that there were times where like they they had things regraded that were graded by VGA. They had things regraded by uh, WADA because the WADA grade probably looked better. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, sure. So so there is maybe some merit to that 90 being similar to depending on the condition because the seal has to be in good condition to start sure. to so, get that far. So the 90 and 95 could still qualify potentially as a 9.8. Right. So, so there you go. If you had population reports, maybe you'd see – and again, we, we, we talked about this. It wasn't just about Wild. It was about VGA. How many 95 or 90 gold Mario 64s are out there? We don't know through VGA. How many 9.8 uh, ones are out there for WADA? We don't know. They say there's at least, maybe there's two. Here's the thing, though. They're now on a several-month backlog of this stuff. As my phone keeps dinging. i got to turn this off. They're on a several-month backlog. Rude. Doing a podcast. Rude. You don't think there's other sealed Mario 64s, not only that have been graded in some degree with both VGA and WADA, you don't think there's a bunch sitting in their offices right now that people just rushed to send in the past six weeks? You don't think there's some? How many, what's the over-under and how many Mario 64 steel do you think were sent there? It'll be interesting 50? to see if this shakes up people's faith in it because all, all it takes is this to become the high-scale Spider-Man that we talked, that, you know, that we talked about, and people are going to see that the, the Emperor wears no clothes. What do you think we've been saying? It's like, sealed, these are not hard to find at all. We've established that. They're not. And then when you say, well, well it's hard to find the good seal, well, there's factory cases that are probably out there still look i don't think these things are easy to find you're not tripping over them but there it's it's absurd to assume that there are none in that condition if if i can go on ebay we'll even say a year ago and find 20 to 30 sealed marshes for any one time that's not hard to find if something is always available for sale at at the drop of hat that's not hard to find that's not rare sure that's not how you define rare that's the point now you get into well it's not sealed though pat well well what if there's 15 or 20 of these that are either getting graded right now or not graded in this higher grade. That It's not a million-dollar game anymore. It's not. That falls... If you want to make an argument, it's still six figures because you're crazy. Sure. It's not going to sustain the value. So we're going to watch these two auctions. They go off in 18 days right now. Um, they, the funny thing about these, these have uh, minimum bids on here. Uh, 75 grand for the, for the minimum bid for the VGA Mint 95 and... Seventy-five grand. And so up to that one's up to one hundred and twenty. The other one doesn't have any bids yet, which is weird because it's the same grade, probably one hundred twenty grand. It's up to for the Mario sixty-four. This is going to become the new Spider-Man if we give it several months. 
we're going to see more. We're going to see people c- come out the VGA ones, maybe get them regraded to a 9.8 potentially. Sure. I'll, I'll put my, I'm not going to stick my reputation on it, but I will bet money that we're going to see more of these come up throughout the year and next year. We're going to see. It won't be just three. It can't be just three within six weeks. That's, come on. Come on. These weren't ready to go? How quickly can you get these graded in tournament? These are ready to go. Imagine if you got this VGA one graded nine years ago, even as a lark. Oh, I'm going to get it graded. You know, I found it for, I don't know, 50 bucks at a, at whatever, at a store or whatever. Yeah. Now it's like, oh my God, this just sold for one and a half million, what I got here. And I've had this sitting around. Yeah. It's wacky, Ian. Um, all right, anything else to add uh, on this? I mean, we're, we're going to segue into a, a separate topic uh, about this. This is this is going to be a WADA and Heritage Auctions heavy podcast. Separate, but similar. Uh, no, nothing else. Let's let's go right into our scumbag seller seller of the week. 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 This scumbag seller of the week is on eBay. Vintage Comics on Parade is the store. Uh, right now, they are selling graded WADA uh, pre-NES stuff, Atari games that are sealed. Uh, you got in television games that are sealed on here. You know, there, there's nothing. You got like a Miss Pac-Man, uh, 2,500 or best offer, Tron Deadly Disc for Intelligent, 1,200 or best offer, Galaxian. It's like, okay, some of these prices are kind of wacky. They're kind of nuts. You got uh, some some uncommon ones on here. You got Crystal Castles on here, Pac-Man Jr. So why am I just saying, okay, this is a wacky, wacky seller? You know, why, why, why would we single this person out as a scumbag? Oh, because this, this seller what? happens to be um, Mark Halpern. Mark uh, Haspel. Ha- oh, I'm sorry. Mark. You're confusing two people. Mark H's. Haspel. Mark Haspel. This was a WADA co-founder and employee. Current employee. They're on the website right now. This is like... Uh, I believe on his bio was like he was like the main grader. He used to do the comics grading. Came on over the past few years because I never heard of him before uh, into doing the video game realm. So this was discovered uh, by Seth Abramson, who is the uh, political uh, journalist. He's also I think I believe a law professor and the fan of the podcast apparently, and has like a million followers on Twitter. He started investigating this this WADA and Heritage Auctions craziness himself. He's put out his own form of population reports on the NES based upon just sales, not a true population report, but just what's been going through, what's been selling. Um, he's more of the Atari and television generation and grew up with, with the Intellivision. Um, so he's been following this stuff. So how did he discover this? How, how did he discover this, Ian? Well, Seth, Seth uh, Abramson, uh, apparently over the course of the pandemic, took up a side hobby uh, buying some graded uh, games. Hey, why not? We uh, all got time. Find some some uh, in television and Atari stuff. It says he focuses mostly on Atari. And as he was cleaning the other day, a uh, sticky note fell out of a box that he was cleaning. And right on there, it says email Mark Haspel for more games. And through doing a little bit of research, going back through his purchase transaction, he realized that he had purchased three games from Mark Haspel. Uh, I think it was like over the course of last summer. And that got him thinking because he remembers the statement from uh, Dennis Kahn and I believe it was the New York Times article. Here's a quote. Um, Water employees are not allowed to have games graded by the company or sell those that are graded by the company. 
So I don't think there's really any more exposition I need to do here. I mean, we that's why this is interesting. I mean, it's been stated numerous times that they are not allowed to purchase or sell these games. And this is the second or third instance where we've seen this. You talk about, talk about Jeff Meyer before. Obviously, Jim Pal- Halpern's involved with WADA, with, whether as an investor or director. He, he's on the side and more. And this is someone that's still on the website currently. Within the, the most recent SEC filing. I've seen him, which I'll get into, acquiring games with my own eyes. And he has an eBay store right now selling stuff and sold the games to the journalist covering it. So it's like, how much more can you wrap it into a nice gift with a bow on it? That this is weird. What's happening right here? Yeah. Um, the article goes on to talk a little bit more about how, uh, you know, the, the grades he received on his uh, games that he's recently had graded. Um, you know, 9.8 A++. He had five of them, 9.8, no seal. That's an Atari game that never had a seal, so it's not unsealed. It's not a negative connotation uh 9.6 is basically uh there is only one 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 game that was uh out of i think it was 74 only one game he had graded came back lower than a 9.0 there was one 8.8.5 uh a plus plus so that would be 8.5 on the box but a plus plus on the seal is what my understanding and it is. says pointing out that it's hard it's really hard to find some of those games in great condition because someone didn't have cellophane uh, cellophane seal on them so right. they're going to be banged up so this goes back to preferential treatment conflict of interest potentially uh, ethical dilemmas about how, how can you allow people to profit off of the business they're a part of uh, to people that are unsuspecting at the same time um, and it goes against what Dennis the CEO said, I mean, all in one, I'm going to say this, which Seth brings up. How is Dennis not aware that people involved with water are doing this? Is this, is this blissful ignorance or is, is Dennis in on this? Like how, like how can you not know your employees doing this? Someone with your company's doing, like, how do you not know this? How are you not aware of this? That this is going on. So in my, in my video that I did for Carl, uh, once, once, uh, you know, we heard about the name Mark Haspel, and I saw his picture. I'm like, you know what? I, that guy looks familiar. Um, that guy was at Too Many Games 2019, which was the first retro gaming convention that WADA had a booth at. They had two that year that I know of. They had one at Too Many Games, and they had one in Portland. They had a big booth at Portland uh, that year. Mm-hmm. 2019, that was right after they got started in 2018. They had the big Super Mario $100,000 sale earlier that year. This is they're really pumping it up. That was the year. They really start pumping it up. And um, that Friday at Too Many Games, I witnessed Mark Haspel, um, Rich Lecce, which I'll get into in a, in a, in a few, uh, and a few other people I didn't recognize before, never saw them at these game conventions before, and um, going around that Friday buying sealed games, almost every sealed game I could see them get their hands on, 8 and 16-bit, mostly you know NES, but also a little bit of Super Fire Recall, and they were buying black box games. Didn't matter if they were beat up. Um, I talked to one guy which, uh, that sold his average copy of Gyromite and Duck Hunt for for $500 each to someone. Uh, test market versions, but when I, I said that, I was shocked because the test market version of those games are not that hard to find, you know, and they weren't like sealed to what he sold. They were just like the average copies, like the ones I have. Mm-hmm. So that's when I knew something weird was going on. But I saw Mark Haspel that weekend acquiring these games. Um, I saw him walk back to the booth at one point. This was early on before it was, you know, starting on that Friday. Um, 
he had a stack of games in his hand. He's walking into the water, but probably to put him behind the counter or whatever, just to hold them. And I'm like, I don't know who this person is. They didn't have like a, like a water shirt on, mm-hmm. you know? So I didn't pay much mind to it. I just thought it was quizzical. Maybe he's just friends with Dennis Khan. Maybe he's just friends with the CEO. I, mean, you know, sure. I didn't know the history of this person. So I didn't think it was weird. Obviously, now you see what's happening. What's interesting, though, is that there's no NES games for sale uh, on this person's uh, eBay, on Mark Hassel's eBay page. There's, no, there's none for sale. There's just uh, pre-NES. Yeah. But I'd be shocked if this person didn't have NES games. And from what it sounds like, there's other people that have come out with communi- private communication, digital commu- communication, saying that this person tried to buy my games. So it's not like I went out on a limb saying that. Sure. Or, or alleging that. Um, so, um, yeah. So it's dirty. It's dirty business. And it's all out in the open. And again, it goes back to they don't care. They don't no. care. They did it with comics, probably. And now it's a new sector. It's a, it's a new investment sector, Ian, segment, or whatever they call it, uh, for video games. So this goes back to the, 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 another article that Seth did talked about Richard Lecce as well, who... Um, he has digital proof in another article that Richard Lecce uh, said he was a co-owner of, of WADA. Um, and, and Richard Lecce was the individual who did the original Pawn Stars appearance that Dennis showed up at that we were very critical of because there was no talking about conflict of interest. Where Richard was one of the three buyers of the $100,000 Super Mario Brothers game. One of the other buyers was Jim Halperin who founded Heritage Auctions. This is kind uh, of the sale that really set everything in motion. Yes. That obviously there was collusion involved here with this appearance. But Richard Lecce was one of the individuals at the convention I just talked about. He was one that bought the $500 jar in, my, in, in Duck Hunts. Richard Lecce has attempted to buy my games multiple times. Multiple times. I think I, I used to tell Ian about it. it used to happen like every other month. Mm-hmm. Uh, he attempted to buy my NWC cards, any other games I had for sale. Um, he would attempt, he would make offers on them and at the same time try to defend Wada's practices and saying like, oh, this is just like the Mona Lisa and artwork. These games are important. I try to put on them. Artworks are one of a kind. Right. They weren't mass-produced commercial items. And <laughs> plus the art of the game is is the game itself you're playing. The art of the game is not the box of the game. The art of the game right, is the game is the <laughs> art the is the produced, beautiful, interactive experience. That's the artwork. Yes. In video gamers minds. That's the artwork. The boxes were thrown out. That's what they're trying to pump. Oh, no, it's the art. Art is usually not the wrapping of the experience. You know what I mean? It's, it'd be like saying, Oh, I'm going to have an awesome burger with Mac and cheese on it. And the artwork in the, is the food, the creation that you consume. It's not the fucking box it came in or the wrapper. Does that, does that it's make not sense? a picture of the burger. It's not the styrofoam Big Mac container from 85. It's the Big Mac itself. Sure. Now my mouth's worrying. Intermittent fasting. Korean so, fried chicken. I'm not saying that Richard Lecce is, a, is a, officially an investor in Nuada. I don't have that evidence. Uh, or an actual co-founder, but by his own words, according to Seth Abramson, he said he was. If that's the case, you had a, if that's true, you had a WADA co-founder trying to buy my shit without telling me that. It's disgusting. Buy my stuff. On a lot of levels. And not just that, Ian. trying Trying to underplay what he thought the price of it was to get a better deal. I told you about that, too. Oh, I probably think... 
I think the he's this is what he said. I probably think the NWC gold is worth two hundred thousand, so I'll offer you a hundred. I'm like, if you're telling me that, what do you think? You think I've been around collectors and how sleazy a lot of them are and the tricks that? What do you think? I'm fucking stupid. That's more insult than anything else. If you're telling me that, you think it's worth five times that in the long, long uh, scheme of things. You never say, oh, I think it's worth. No, come on, they're never honest when it comes to stuff. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's absurd, sir. So it's an absurd, sir. So, yeah, I haven't seen an email from Richard in a long time. He's probably busy uh, recently with stuff. But um, I, liked, I liked confirmation on that either way. If, if he was either – either way, he knew Jim Halpern. Obviously, he was part of the sale to pump it up and pump up the market, and he was buying the games early and trying to acquire more just like, just like Mark Haspel was. I just want to know whether or not he was actually a, an investor or co-founder uh, of WADA at what point in time that happens. So if that comes out, that would be great. But um, – we're we're in a we're in a weird game right now where now it's a deadly game like the Survivor Series deadly 98. game uh, yeah it's a deadly mm. game um, no it's not really deadly but it's not that someone deadly. asked me you know where does this lead to or what's the end game and you know is there stuff going on here it's like that's not for me to decide if any of this stuff is is legally you know above the board I don't think in my uh, professional opinion my my I don't have a law degree. I don't think some of this stuff is legal what's going on, but that's not for me to decide at the end of the day. That's for like the FTC to decide. That's for the feds to investigate and decide if they, if they think it's worth their time. The thing is with this much money, amount of money being thrown around, it's going to be worth their time. If sure. this is going to be like the coin stuff in the 80s and big investment groups are getting into this and buying grading companies and buying auction houses, this is a lot of money coming in, external money. Yeah. Yeah, I just, of- I just don't know how fast this stuff moves, or how how the FTC would begin an investigation, or would it, would it require enough pissed off people that just put their money into the stuff recently and were like, "What the fuck's happening?" What did I say something? Did yeah. I just spend five hundred grand in a bunch of games, and I and now I didn't know these people are connected to each other? That's what it comes down to, but in terms of transparency and 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 whether or not these market prices are actually natural or not or organic. It's not it's not enough where well people think it's worth that much, and we're well, no. How did you prop it up to that point? How did you prop it up to that point sure. to get the, get the buy-in? Don't sell the shit if you work for the grading company. Don't don't buy and sell it on your own supply. There you go, Ian. So there you go. So uh, so what's is this? What's what's the fucking name of this? Uh, vintage Comics on Parade, Mark. You're the scumbag seller of the week. Uh, Ian, we got a Patreon poll, don't we? We do. You go to patreon.com slash CU podcast and uh, you get a full, <laughs> you give us some money and in exchange you get a full video podcast you get a every struggle. week. You get a full video podcast every week. You get a writing. I got to do a writing tomorrow is when I am scheduled. Tomorrow, tomorrow. Tomorrow is when I'm doing my writing. Uh, you get to, uh, we do hangouts once a month. I got a schedule. Oh, no. it's. I keep thinking I haven't done mine in forever when it was really fairly recently. I'm, you're, you're, I'm entering you're, a brand new month. I'm trying to jump the gun. Yeah, I'm gonna, I might do mine on my personal Patreon this week and get usually a week or two after me. On top of things. Um, and we're gonna, we might start doing a bonus podcast, a bonus audio podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like once a month, you'll get a bonus audio podcast. See? No guarantees it's, it's, yet. It's, it's but we va- might. We might, Rabbit. We might. The value. Um, so, the value podcast. So in second place, Ian, in this patron poll, 23% will computer games ever... You're tired this morning. Will computer games ever be as collectible as console games? First place, 77%. Good game ideas with horrible execution. Ian. My heart's awake. 
but my brain is sleepy. Come here, Chicky. So this is one of those questions that I felt like was really good, and I know I've said many times this game sucks, but it was a good idea. Wally Bear? Uh, I mean, Wally Bear is definitely one of them. Uh, Wally Bear could easily be, uh, I mean, it's a fantastic idea. You're a bear on a skateboard uh, fighting against uh, evil drug dealers, trying to make your family happy. Um, so I have a couple in my head. I couldn't think of any of these like great examples that I thought I, I would have. I only had 24 hours, but here's a few. Superman 64. There is still not a good Superman game for modern systems. Really? And was there, I a think, man, was there a Man of Steel game that came out? Uh, no, buddy? but there was one for uh, that other Superman movie that came out that everyone forgot about. Superman Returns. Returns. Yeah, that was a weird movie. Um, I feel like people would want a Superman game. I feel like ever since the advent of 3D gaming, a Superman game would be a good idea, especially in the early era of 3D gaming. People would love that freedom of movement, being able to fly around, use superpowers. Um, an open-world Superman game would have been interesting. Obviously, you couldn't do that on the PlayStation or the 64, but you could have done something intriguing, level-based. Uh, instead, what we got was a ring fly-through simulator in uh, Superman 64. Well, that's the first stage, but no, it got past that stage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you ended up with something that was... There was fighting and stuff in that. A, a, a pretty big letdown. Um, I, one for me, personally, is uh, Final Fantasy thirteen. Uh a lot of people seem to be really interested in just kind of sweeping Final Fantasy XIII under the rug and forgetting about it. I thought Final Fantasy XIII had a fantastic setting. It was a very cool, futuristic setting. It was very uh, fun to look at. I thought it had a really fun battle system once you got into it. Um, problematically, they never fleshed out the world. Uh, all of the like choices you could make for your character when it came to leveling up, it was like kind of like false choice. Like all of the skill trees kind of pointed you in the same direction, and I think they really missed capitalizing on a, uh, um, you know, a visually interesting world in a in a, in a good battle system. But it's not going to carry an entire game. An RPG is known for having towns and villages. There's not even shops in Final Fantasy 13. You do all of your buying from a little kiosk where you save your games. Like there's no cities to explore. Oh, that's it, awful. Yeah, it's there's a no very, life to it. Yeah, that's exactly it. it, it, it oh, there's God. there's no life, and I would have loved to have seen that world uh, in a far more lively mm -hmm. way. It was one of the few games yeah. I can think of in recent times where like I wanted to like it so much, but I was disappointed. Um, but my big example, uh, Mario Party. What? What? That's a hot take, Ian. Yeah, it is. I fucking hot. hate Mario Party, and I think it's executed horribly because it's what? because okay. it's very very much luck based. Um, in all the versions I've played, you know, it's never about the, the amount of stars necessarily or how good you are at completing, um, certain mini games. There's always something that kind of happens at the end that makes it seem random. There's always a way sure. to completely fuck yourself over if you're right. in first place. And I would love good video board games. Um, I'm always looking for stuff like that on Steam, something that I can play with friends competitively that's a little bit slower paced, that's not, you know, like a fighting game. Uh, and every time I try Mario Party, I am horribly, 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 I am horribly disappointed. Horribly? I, I really want it to be something that I enjoy, and I never do. And I know that's going to be a hot take, but no, I just don't think it's executed yeah. well. It's just, it's, it's like four stars, four stars according to an upcoming NC4 guidebook, I believe, yikes. the first one. The first one? Three and a half or four, yeah. The second and third first, ones were better than the first one. Yeah, the first they were, one, but... you destroy your hand. Yeah, but... Did... 
The games. <laughs> Nintendo does not put out bad first party games. What are you talking about? They don't. It would, have been a, it would not have been a sequel, Ian. Wow, you, you, you're tough. All right, I'm going to go through the certain NES guidebook in the help of the app. Um, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Uh, <laughs> excellent video game adventure. There's a good idea of a game in there. There is. You go around different aspects of time. You get clues to find objects. It's, it could be semi-educational, you know, but the, the game mechanics are fucking terrible in that game. They're awful. Similarly, Time Lord really missed the fucking boat, too. Time was a much better game, though, than Bill and Ted. I think it, I think sure. it Time Lord two and a half stars or two stars. I give this one and a half. Did I review this? Yeah, I give it one and a half. It seemed like it was 18 years ago. This book's been out for almost five years. Ooh, five-year anniversary in a week and a half. Really? Um, oh, yeah. Uh, that's how I tell time before and after NES Guidebook. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a good game hidden here if they went back and redid the mechanics of the walking around. Like, if it was, like, a top-down, Ian, versus, like, the weird isometric, automatically, it's a much better, better game. game. Isometric um, worked very rarely in video games, in my yeah, opinion. It would have been a much better game. Um, there's a good game somewhere in Uncanny X-Men, one of the worst games. Having an, an, an X-Men NES game with, with six different characters with different powers and abilities... That would have been a great game if done right. Sure. Be fantastic. Yeah, especially because they had the co-op thing down. Like, yeah, they had like, co-op, two-player co-op. If you had just if you had just ripped off Gauntlet, yes. If it was if it was the polish of Gauntlet, which is funny because it came out years after Gauntlet did. Yeah, at least the arcade one, the NES would came. But out if you had just ripped off Gauntlet, if it, it, if it was been... made with the same polish as Gauntlet, that would have been a beloved game. Uh, looking back, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. I guess the, the Advanced Dungeon Dragons ones weren't well reviewed, but I don't know much how you can do it better. Um, uh, obviously, Ghostbusters on the NES. There's a good game. There's a good game in there somewhere. If you just make the gameplay mechanics better, not so much back um, and forth. Actually, that is one that I, I do um, constant. Now that you mentioned it, that's one that I constantly reference. It's not a bad idea, and the mini games themselves yeah. are not bad. It's that it's held together by a weird framework and then that last level is just kind of a pain in the ass yes if you clean that up like the pal one is fucking amazing i did a review of it the pal uh that's new ghostbusters 2 yeah that's a totally different game but that's but but there's a there's a good ghostbusters game there i'm not saying the original had to be that one but i always hear that even like the uh the atari one's even better than the i like the atari the atari one seems to pad itself out less like the driving segments don't seem to be as long um the problem with the Atari one is the Atari has a one-button controller, so to af- actively play that game properly, you have to sit in front of the console and like use a switch to drop a trap. You use a switch to bring sure. up your inventory. Like It's a pain in the ass to actually play. This it. is how you fix the NES Ghostbusters. I'm going to do it right now. You get rid of almost all the driving sequences, or you minimize them. You shorten them. You, 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 you take the, the price down on, on all the different uh, items you get so that they're more attainable. Every building you have where after you get the ghost on the outside, you go in and do like the final boss battle. You do the little shooter thing. You make it more structured like that. And then, yes, the staircase thing is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. You get rid of that entire. You do that. You have a game that's like, oh, this is like an average game. This is this is interesting. It wouldn't be one of the most shit on games. Uh, what else you got here? Last Ninja was just horribly executed going from PC to NES. Um I actually don't mind muscle. I gave it two stars. Ew, it's awful. I, you learn to play it. Um, Star Voyager. 
I think that's one that could have been. It didn't really work as a simulation. You could have made it a little more accessible. It's a little more not not a, not heady, but like they had to dumb dumb down Star Voyager a little bit. I believe. Uh, Back to the Future two and three. You just got to make a standard fucking platformer without bouncing around in mini games bullshit, and that would have been a fun game. Or you know what I mean? That would have been a, a that would have been good. Sure. I'm not saying it has to be like the Genesis one. You know how they had that, but like there's there's a good game there. The, the, the fact that that's worse than the original Back to the Future says something, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think no, it's absolutely. Worse than, uh, than the original. The original Back to the Future is not bad. Just get rid of the fucking annoying music. Cyberball could have been a lot better. I think it's better on other platforms. That that fails on the NES. I don't mean to make this just NES. Uh, Funhouse isn't even like Funhouse has nothing to do with with the, with the fucking game show. It's very sad. Double Dare on the S does. Funhouse is just like, we're going to take a game and just make it a weird shooter. Come on, man. Uh, it had a different name, and in, in, uh, I'm pretty certain it was a. It was one of those games that they like just slapped a different name on. I think they oh, yeah. grabbed a UK game and slapped yeah. a different name on that, it. That was, that was insulting. That was insulting. Especially because I loved that show, and I loved uh, the Funhouse. I liked the Funhouse more than I think I liked the Obstacle Course in, in, in uh, Double Dare. Pictionary is annoying because it's a bunch of weird minigames that have nothing to do with drawing. Um so it's like, why don't you just draw? Like, Pictionary should have been anticipation in some way. Like, anticipation gets more the Pictionary down than Pictionary does. It's kind of weird like that. Rambo. Some people like Rambo. I think it's a little, too, little more obtuse than it needs to be. Same thing with, like, Goonies 2. It's like, you went a little bit too far. I think Goonies, Goonies 2 is a great example. I love you, Goonies 2. It's a, Goonies 2 is a great example of, it's like, well... They definitely could have streamlined the maze. I, I don't think um, they needed to get rid of it. I like the multi-gameplay stuff. Oh, you but they, needed to, they needed to make it a little less fucking obtuse. They, 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 people, people that argue Legend of Zelda, you don't know where to go. No, no, you don't know where to go in Goonies 2. You don't know where to go. You're just hopping around and, and warping here and there and trying to knock your hammer or glove on everything. That's insane. Do that. Then I watch the speedrun and you can beat the game in like 15 minutes somehow. Yeah. If you know where to go. It's amazing, right? It's like as you're, as you're, when you're a kid, uh, that's, you know. that's speed runs in general to me, though, is the fact that but it's amazing. you can always beat them way quicker than well, I would When think. you're a kid, it'll take you four hours to get halfway through the game because you're just ex- ex- experimenting. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, I know where to do everything on that. Uh, that's another one there. Um, Super Pitfall is awful on the NES. That could have been a great game, an actual exploring game. And uh, yeah, there's others. There's others here. Uh, you reviewed Winter Games, Ian. I remember that. You did not give that a good review. That sucks. <laughs> and I love, I love the. Uh, it's not a bad game at its heart because the Apple II version is fantastic. It's the NES um, version blows. There's a good game somewhere in Amagon. They just executed it poorly, unfortunately. There's something to be said for you know you, you're you're a gun wielder, then you turn into a roid rage guy uh, with like the, that. That game appealed to me as a child. Thankfully, I never really played it as a child. No, I, I played it at Billy's house. Mm. In between listening to Queen, Prince, and NWA, um, and, and Ice-T, we, uh, we played some uh, Amagon. I think we rented it. Yeah, it was very eclectic taste, Billy, having music. It helped me a lot growing up. Um, Amagon's one. Then Athena I have down here is only one star. I don't know who reviewed that one. Did you review that, Athena, for here? Athena's tough. I might have. That was an arcade game, but that was not a good uh, The a good port, port did not. The arcade game's got its issues, but the port did not. You did review it, Ian. Yeah. Kind of a short review. I'm a sucker for a cute game, so I've often tried to trick myself into believing there was something redeeming about this title. However, taking a purposely critical eye to it has not left me with much positivity. I dig the character, so I'm glad she found eternal life in the King of uh, Fighters series, even if I don't play as her much. Stick with her as a chipper brawler. There's nothing to see here. That was your reflections there. All right. You didn't mention the arcade game in the reflections. 
I'm going to have to rewrite that one for the fourth print nope. run. You say you're going to rewrite it? Some maybe. Nah. Wow. Sorry to call you out, Ian. All right. I think we've got that, though. I think we've run long enough on this topic before we just go through the entire book. Okay. UltimateNintendo.com. Uh, Ian, we got, we got voicemails. Oh, of course. How do you, how do you access the... Uh... Don't know. That's, that's, uh, that's, not, that's not my job description. That's yours. Oh, it's a job description? It's part of the job description. Anchor.fm slash the CU podcast. You can leave us a voicemail. Try to keep it short and sweet. It's always nicer to get through more of these. And uh, here's the first one. What's up, Pat? What's up, Ian? This is uh, Josh from Decatur, Illinois, with you guys talking about the Amico a lot and the lack of uh, physical media. Physical product. I just wondered if you really thought that physical media was even still alive. I think it died with the Wii and the PS2 because it can be manipulated so much from the other end that, I mean, what is it really? It will. What we have as physical media will always rely on what they will allow it to be through their consoles and there's so much computerization and internet injected into the console i mean what's really on the switch cartridge what do you guys think keep up the good work love the show later um i like physical media i'm a record collector i I own almost i own very little digital music unless it's something i'm djing with um so i believe me i i see the appeal in physical media um i think video game physical media if it was truly physical media would yes have, I, I think there's still a market for it. There's lots of people who don't have great internet access. There's all the flyover States military uh, military physical media is important, but I agree with what you're saying. I think a lot of this collector stuff that has been hammering on physical media really comes down more to, they want some, I'm not saying all of them, but I think people, they, they conflate the importance of having physical media for access um, with owning something to put on the shelf. Because we have gotten to the point with a lot of video games now that do get physical releases, and I've said this. Um, if the game needs to have day one updates to be you oh. know, uh, a, a, oh. a, a fairly a functioning, bug-free experience, then the physical media isn't really... What's it doing? Um, and the Switch is an even worse example. Uh, it acts as a key, basically. Well, yeah. so on the Switch, there are lots of games that are on the the cartridges. But what I hate is these collections: the Bioshock collection, um, Bayonetta. Well, Bayonetta two was technically just a standalone, but uh, the Mega Man collections. There's a lot of things on the um, Switch where you buy it and you get one, but not the other. The other is attached to a download code. So not only does that immediately kind of kill the resale value on just a short-term thinking of, of how physical media works because people would probably just go buy it new so they can get the other game on there. Um, in terms of preservation, you, you, don't, you don't get everything. It's, it's just it's not there. You're getting half a product. So I, 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 I do think the more, like you said, these games rely on a server somewhere else to feed them the final updates, to make them playable. Well, a game like Animal Crossing, uh, if you just look at Animal Crossing on the Switch, as it launched, there was nothing in there. They constantly kept adding new content sure. through patches. You end up with a, a situation where physical media, like I said, has, as it was supposed to be, is great, but now you're just ending up with something for collectors to buy because it's not really everything on there. 
Unless it's like a limited run release, and it's it's this is limited run is pretty good about it, and I'm not taking yeah. shots at limited run here, but even they can't foresee everything because yes. now the limited run physical release of Streets of Rage Four doesn't have the DLC. It's it's not a complete yeah. So and I really and like I said, I know limited run goes out of their way to wait and hope that they can get to the point where they don't need to do any. That's of not that. their business model as much anymore. They they put this stuff out pretty early on some, but of they stuff. do put it out a bit quicker now. Yeah. And yeah, you, they do. They they miss some of these updates. They're generally going to be in better working condition than a day one release from ubisoft that's getting you know a, a 10 gig update when sure. you put it in but yeah we're, we're starting to see what the, the definition of physical media get a little slippery yeah but there is some positives because otherwise yeah you can't do you know the modern animal crossing if it was physical it'd be impossible to, to, to well no to, you, you could is the thing <laughs> You'd have to connect. There's, there's less. There's less. You'd have there's to... less content in this game. Are right as it stands right now. There's less content in that game than in previous iterations. They could have fit everything on a cartridge. You think they could have fit all the all the all the they uh, could have put everything on that all cartridge. the different events that they do and yes. all that stuff. They could have fit all the because seasons. that was all stuff that was in on physical copies on the 3ds. Version. Okay, but then they can do this for years and years. Though you couldn't do that before. You could okay. We, what if we program something? Give me a full game month? and then give me years and years. You've barely given me two. Okay, Ian. All right. Wow. All right. You don't. You don't see the advantage. I, I think they'd be. Harder. I don't think there's an advantage to that. I mean, I, under, fly, I understand the advantage, but people are going to have to say goodbye to physical media at some point if this is how we want that. Well, this is this is the only argument I'm going to make about it. It's obviously yes, you can buy and sell the physical media a lot easier, so that's cool, and it is a key. Yes. I mean, at some point, it's, it's obviously we're at the point now that it's just accepted everyone has internet access. And yes, it's not everyone has great internet access, even even in first world nations like ours, not everyone has great internet access, but that's just been, become more and more acceptable. And I think what's going to happen is people are going to be like, I can't play that game because I can't do 50, I can't do a day one, day zero, 50 gig patch. I just can't. You know, right. I just can't do that. You're going to have to wait or or send it to someone. You know what I mean? Have your friend mail you the fucking drive to load it on somehow to, you know what i mean like that's what i have to probably happen before we get before it's like universal uh fiber optic which we'll, we'll get there eventually it's going to be decades and decades maybe to get there to most parts of the world but that's what we're going to probably do next cheese it's or cheese nips cheese it's thanks they're both a square. Which one's a square? Nips is square. They're both square. I really appreciate that question. Okay. I feel very, very strongly about cheese its over cheese nips. Think cheese nips are trash. Utter fucking dog trash. Why is it less cheddar per square inch? They're craft. They don't taste as naturally cheesy as cheese its do. They don't have the fun flavors that cheese its do. Cheese it is really just like just about a perfect fucking snack. Okay. I like goldfish. Hey, Pat and Ian. Big big fan here. Now I know that it causes Ian significant pain and probably shortens his lifespan. But I do love when you use the soundboard. My question is, where does the update sound clip come from? Thank you. What? Also tonight, an update. Where does that come from, Ian? That is Unsolved Mysteries. That is the stack man, Robert Stack. Uh, On the Unsolved Mysteries show every week when they would do it, they would do some new ones. The best true crime show ever, by the way. Um, then they would update you on previous ones. So if the you know someone had been caught, if the mystery sometimes been, that episode, if the mystery had been solved, sometimes like oh, they went back and re-edited them in for no, they for re-edited them in. But like, yeah, that was great. They caught a lot. Their percentage was fairly high. I'd say it was probably thirty, forty percent. 
Yeah. Some of the episodes I watched, there's an update in every segment. There was or, a time- or reunited, lo- reuniting loved ones, where Ian doesn't like those for some reason, where you know you meet someone after like forty years. And no, it. it's not the reuniting loved ones stuff that I don't like. It's the uh, it's the parents of kids who put their kids up for adoption hunting their kids down that I don't like. You don't, you don't like seeing that it happen, or you yeah, don't like I, it's just kind of weird. Like, like, like a lot of stuff happened. Like in the depression, they couldn't afford to raise like three kids or four kids. Like, I know people up. who are adopted, and they would be horrified if that happened. You gave up your kid. Don't don't wow. hunt them down in the don't hunt them down in their adult life and do that. Really? You don't think that some of the, those kids want to meet their real parents? Maybe they do, but I've it just, just happened with the Paralympian, the swimmer the, with the, with the, with the legs. She went and went to Russia and saw they had to give her up. I, I don't know. They're all it, crying. It's, it's it's unloading a lot. It, it's it's going to bring up a lot of emotions in that person. I'm not saying that there are people out there who can't want that, but those always made me uncomfortable because watching them, the people that they found always looked like they were doing their best to be like, I disagree with that. Ian. This There's, is awesome. A lot of times they're both crying. They're very. I've always felt that those segments came across as really forced. If they were forced, they wouldn't agree to have a crew there with them. Money. You know? They're not, you, think, you think Robert Sack's giving him a check in order to do a, a lost love reunion? Are you kidding me, Ian? Man. Wow. Ian's cynical about that. I'm, I'm, I'm more of a... Wow. I thought I had the cold heart here. Don West here, and I'm calling in to tell you all about what is this thing? Atari Amiga. Okay, I have to stop it right here. <laughs> We have to make the decision now. Should we continue with this horrible Don West impression and continue on the rest of it? You can continue. This sounds like a guy trying to do a Hoboken impression, not Don West. Okay, well, keep going. Okay, we're going to keep going. Calico Amigo. Comprar el amigo. Adios mio. Acnel be darling. Doesn't sound like Don West. This thing will never come out, but it doesn't matter. Buy it now on FlexPay for $299.99, and I'll throw in a Mark McGuire rookie card. That's right, Mark McGuire rookie card. Jim Minton, Joya de Diaz. That alone is worth more than this thing will ever be worth. Be dealing. Be dialing, oh people. That's and right. It, We're it. giving you money to take this thing. <laughs> if you it. flex paid in the next five minutes, How Tommy Tallarico will even deliver it impersonally. Oh He's God. got nothing going on. I'm Trust sweating. me. I'm sweating, I'm too. I'm fucking sweating. All right. Now that's it. Holy shit. Okay. <clears throat> you had the phrases down. The phrases were down. Th- that was a bad impression, Don West. It's not the best Don West. <sighs> not the best Don West I've heard. <sighs> I think I Don know the West, person who did that, and I love them, but that's not a good Don, Don West. Don West is a Southerner, not a guy moving furniture in Hoboken in, or in Jersey City. Like <laughs> okay? Sorry about Okay, God. Wow, that was... That's, that, that's, that, that felt, I feel like five minutes. That was long. That, that felt long. Hey, Pat and Ian. Jesus. Uh, this is Mark. been listening since the first episode. Fantastic podcast. But my question's mainly for Ian. Sorry, Pat. Um, I have a GameCube collection, and I'm thinking about selling it on eBay, and I'm just wondering if you think it's the right time, if I should wait a bit longer. I saw, like, Chibi Robo and stuff is up to, like, $200, some crazy nonsense. So just your thoughts on that. But keep up the good work, and can I be the resident board game snob of the podcast? Thank you very much. Sure. Uh, yeah, that's fine. You can do that. Uh, I, I do think it's probably... GameCube was at its hottest... 
probably four months ago. Some of the prices have started to come down. The prices are still really high for a lot of stuff. Um, we've talked about this before. These pandemic prices are not going to just suddenly disappear. People sold and traded stuff for these values, and they're going to want those values to sure. stay. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is if you really think about selling it, sell it now because we're already seeing some of the prices dip. But, I, yeah, I don't think there's really a better time. Ian, Patrick, Nathan from Georgetown, Texas here. Hi, Nathan. So I hear you guys love peanut butter cups. It's the goat candy. Sorry. Besides Cadbury cream eggs. So do I. Good, Nathan. I have a recommendation. What is it, Nathan? You like Reese's peanut butter cups, but you're disappointed by that white chalky crap that's usually found on them? Mm -hmm. You are, Nathan. Mm -hmm. Trader Joe's dark chocolate peanut butter cups. Everyone keeps talking about these Trader Joe peanut butter cups. They will be the best cups you ever put in your mouth. I guarantee it. See ya. Nathan, I love the question, Nathan. That was 36 seconds. That could have been 10. <laughs> there was a lot of pauses there. Yeah, but we give people a minute. It's conversational. It's fine. Um, it allowed me to respond. Uh, <laughs> then he started talking. A couple again. other people have told me about the uh, Trader Joe's uh, peanut butter cups and have said they're fantastic. So I really do need to try them. Okay. I like oh, dark chocolate peanut butter cups are good. A lot, of, a lot of the stores have those. We'll go back to our, uh, real quick, go back to our Patreon question. Uh, good idea, poor execution. Oftentimes, the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. That is true. It's like wrestling. When it's great, it's the best thing. When it's bad, it's the worst yep. thing. And much like wrestling, yeah. every once in a while, I take chances on it, and I'm usually disappointed, but every once in a while, I'm very happy. It, it, yeah, it's, Peanut Butter Cups are like pro wrestling, yeah. <laughs> you're never happier than watching the best pro wrestling, but you're never more pissed off watching bad pro wrestling. Yeah. Um, next. Hey guys, Callus here. I was just wondering what both your opinions on chiptune was, and Ian, if you had any chiptune-focused synthesizers in your rig. I recently just got a Twisted Electrons Mega FM, which has two Sega FM chips in it. Yeah, yeah. And a slider for each of the FM parameters. Well, he's making up words there, Ian. So, what do you think about chiptunes? He's not. It's very good. Uh, he's making up stuff. It's a neat synth. Um, I, I like chiptune. I don't have any like super chiptune focused uh, synths in my collection, like actual boutique synths. But I do have a number of Game Boys that are modded to work uh, to uh, Pro Sound modded Game Boys for using LSDJ. And one of the things I'm most excited about the Analog Pocket, if it ever comes out, is the. Um, the inclusion of nano loop so i do mess with chip tunes hey pat and ian hope you're doing well it's ryan out in florida uh it's just curious if there's any sort of sports games that you guys might you know desire that might not be as well known to american audience you know whether that's a sport like cricket or something along those lines anyways love the show thanks well i do have australian rules footy on the nes i think i do have that one that pal one I would love to see some more curling type games. I have a curling game for the DS, and I always thought it was pretty amusing. Do you swipe it on? You do that? Oh, with that's really, oh, you touch yeah. me like the broom. Um, I love watching. You know what? I watch curling a lot in the Winter Olympics. Yeah. yeah it's, it's coming fun. up in like five months. Is it really? Is the Winter Olympics this year? Yeah, because we remember oh, because we, of we the, the delay. Holy shit. We're going to have two Olympics in like seven months. I do actually like watching some of the Winter Olympics. I've mentioned this before. I like the ski jump, the curling. Um, I'm, I, I, I don't like Winter Games, though. Like I said, I, 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 the game itself is good. The port is fucking miserable. Sure. Um, 
but that actually leads me like that's the sort of stuff that I like seeing. I I actually like Olympic style video games because you get these little bite sized mini game yes. style representations of all these sports that are never big enough to be covered elsewhere. So that's one thing I do pull from the Olympics that I like is the Olympic uh, the video games. Yeah, one of my favorite things mini games. I, I the track and field two pole vault is outstanding. How that looks and plays, you know? Oh yeah, yeah, that's fun. We're never gonna have a pole balling game just on its own. Like you're never gonna have that. Sure. It's going to be a switch pole balling game, but yeah, that's it's a good point about that. God, I love track and field two more than I probably realize. It's a great game. Four and a half stars. And we have one more. Oh. I don't know who it's from, though. Who's calling? Who's it from? Hey, it's Tommy. Hey, what's up with the connection? Sounds like there's some kind of delay in my voice. What's up with that? Oh, oh, is it because my amico is being delayed again? Oh, ha, ha, ha. Very funny. That's real cute, guys. Cut it out. Cut it out or hang it up right now. Hello? Okay. Wow. I hate you guys so much. Anyway, with the way the market's going now, it looks like these Amico physical products are going to be worth lots of money pretty soon, especially since they're going to be in limited production. But, of course, Pat's got to be all negative about them, like, I don't know what you can even fit. That's my Pat voice. <laughs> and then Ian's like, Why would you put out a special edition? That's my Ian voice. Why would you put out a special edition with no manual in it? I don't know, Ian. Let's see who's laughing when this stuff gets graded. <laughs> that anyway is funnier than there's any right to be. What is that anyway? I hate you guys so much. Anyway. That, <laughs> that might make the soundboard. Anyway. That might make the soundboard. That would be a good anyway, segue. Yeah. That, that would be a good segue button. That, I would actually be okay with that. I, I'm not kidding. Um, I, I'm breaking the fourth wall. I, I have to pre-screen all these. When I first heard that anyway, I fucking died. I, I, I had to stop. That was the funniest thing. That delivery on that anyway, the timing was mwah, perfect. All right. Is that it for the podcast? That's it. Wow. We're more economical than usual. We're at one... Well, I always think it's short. It's still 143. Yeah. We don't do the hour 15 ones anymore. We're, we're too long-winded, Ian. These I intros. know. We do get long-winded. Damn you, Wada and Herb Auctions for giving us these meaty topics this week. Uh, is that it? You've been sitting up tall. Like, you're stretching out. How, yeah. how, how's the Cairo gun working? Is it helping? It's good. Yeah. Best present I ever got you? Yeah. Best present you ever have received? No. Okay. No. But it's the best <laughs> present you've ever got, man. I very much like it. Thank you. I, I use it just about every day. I don't think you would have bought it by yourself. I was thinking I about it. No, you don't. You it, would have ta- it would have taken like two or three more recommendations. That's the thing. That's, that's the thing about you. He's got like, oh, you know, sh- you gotta, you gotta just do it. Yeah, which, which was funny because I still gotta buy the grilling set for when Frank comes over. I've been putting off like months. It's like there's too many selections on Amazon. There's like 75 different grilling sets. This one is 35. This one is 30. And I'm like, oh, but I want that from that. I want to like mix and match. I want to build your own grilling set. Basically, yeah. you can't do that though. All right, that's it for the podcast. Bye, everyone. Bye.